morning has turned to afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. But the grind carries on. Not just the grind physically, but the grind mentally. The Midday Grind, featuring a couple of TV jockeys who've also been through the radio wars. <laughs> serious? Martin Kilcoin. I was a little lit, so I was saying whatever I wanted. And Charlie Marlowe. Our top story tonight, John Jay will be back tomorrow. Here's him getting a hit in 2012. It's the Midday Grind on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. Welcome in and happy opening day, everybody. It's the Midday Grind, 590 The Fan, 590TheFan.com. We're broadcasting live from the Schnooks in St. Charles on Harvester Lane. Fantastic spot. They have the Matt Carpenter, the new Mojo Salsa. It's got a little more kick to it. They have the spicier version. The mild is also available from last year, but the, the medium now for 2019 as Matt Carpenter looks to replicate 2018 Jim Hewer, as it was all about the salsa. Yes. Also have Brian Hoffman. Frank Cusimano, I think, will be uh, heading off here after we enjoy our <laughs> potato chips and our sub sandwiches and some water and some fantastic salsa. It's not a coincidence that Frank, who spent the last couple of days in Mexico at All-Inclusive, comes back the day we're at his schnooks with another All-Inclusive remote. <laughs> and not, you know what? Not coincidental at all. Because I sat down so quickly and we got right into the middle of the hot takes, I didn't get to ask Frank about the vacation. He looks tanner. He looks refreshed. Some good uh, spouse time. I'm sure, you know, rekindling that flame that didn't need to be rekindled, but still just some good uh, Monique time. I did say to her yesterday, I go, this is the most time I've ever spent with one person alone in my life. I mean, we've gone trips together, but usually there's kids. I mean, five straight days with one person. I said, not that I'm complaining, because if I had said, you better not. If yeah, I had spent time with one person in the world, it would be you, Monique. This sounds it. like a ringing endorsement. Though. But it sounds like Frank had a great vacation. Uh, a little holiday, if you will, and, and today is a holiday, though. Even though it's not the home opener, next Thursday will also be a holiday, but it's so much fun when baseball is back because truly there is that optimism. I don't want to say for every team. Like, I don't think the Marlins have optimism, but how about the other 29 teams? Is that fair? Agreed. I, I, I woke up at 4 this morning. I was aggravated with a Good few Lord. things. I do that a lot, unfortunately, guys. Wow. There's so many things on my mind. But then in the back of my head I went, it's opening day today. There are going to be all kinds of baseball I can check out if I need to throughout the day as the day goes on. New hope, new, you know, get to see new storylines. Looking forward to that for sure. Hope springs eternal. We'll be checking in with uh, Martin Kilquin around 1230 as uh, the, the pregame festivities in terms of interviews and all that should be over by then. So he'll uh, check in at 1230 and tell us what the boys were saying in Milwaukee before game one of 162. Get your texts in, 855-282-8255. Give us your hot takes. Give us your bold predictions, your triad. Take it to the banks in terms of the Cardinals' season here in 2019. What's, what's a bold prediction for a player? Who's somebody you think is going to have a huge year that maybe we're not expecting, or the opposite? Who's somebody that you think, okay, they're kind of being billed this year as a, as a player that's really going to contribute that you could see falling off a little bit here in 2019 just in our conversation here i'm a little worried about harrison bader and how good he will be he's still a rookie uh we like what we saw in the small sample size but and the other thing that i'm a little leery of 
he's a young kid. How does he handle what you brought up in the last hour, being just shoved out there in front of everybody by the Cardinals this year as, quote, poster boy of the team? I mean, he was out there for the jersey unveil, for the, the, the powder blues and all that. Popular choice, popular with the fans, but can he, can he do enough to stay in the lineup? Because there is competition there. I think when you talk about Harrison Bader, but more so the entire outfield, that's what I'm most fascinated to watch, especially early in the season. Because let's be real, too, about Mike Schilt. It has been a love fest, rightfully so, because he took over the All-Star break last year, and he had a great record. He talks to the players. He talks to the players. And, and the, entire, the entire spring training, though, has been a love fest for Mike Schilt. Again, rightfully so. Greatest communicator Adam Wainwright has ever worked with. All the players are saying glowing things about him. And I have high hopes for Mike Schilt. But have we really seen the adversity, which will, will happen in every baseball season, mm-hmm. and also the tough decisions? And I just feel like what I'm most closely watching, the tough decisions that I think are going to come about with the outfield. For example, you have Dexter Fowler. You know they want him to be the right fielder. What if he starts slow, though? And, and look... They want to give him enough at-bats and enough time. It's not like he's going to go one for nine and they sit him. He's going to get that opportunity, but you also have more of a known commodity as a hitter in Jose Martinez. You have potentially a slugging young phenom in Tyler O'Neill. What if every time Tyler O'Neill gets a start once a series, he's going one for three with a walk and a home run or a double? I think Marcelo Zuna, you can almost set it and forget it in left field as long as he's healthy. But I think it's going to be fascinating to see how they deploy starts, at-bats, innings for Fowler, O'Neill, Bader, Jose Martinez. That's what I'm most closely watching and interested to see how that all plays out. It's There's a lot of potential with everyone. Uh, here's the thing. Jose Martinez has proven he can just flat-out hit. Is he, is it, can you justify keeping him out there? because of his poor defensive play, because the other guys can play defense, and will they hit just enough to keep them in the lineup and keep Jose out of the lineup? I mean, you know, bringing up your point to which outfielder do you play. I mean, at that point, let's let's say the other three guys are playing outstanding defense and they're hitting just enough. Where do you find at bats for Jose Martinez then? Because there's and, – and what then is – does that mean Jose Martinez has got to hit 320 to stay in the lineup as opposed to right around 300 if the other guys are hitting, let's say, just what an average year would be for each one of them and playing really, really sound defense? I mean, it, again, there's so many other options there, uh, ways you can see this outfield position or positions, you know, playing out. I'm really curious the outfield is something that will be fun, interesting to see how they handle that. I wonder how they handle the rotation. Because we see the one through five now. I think we're confident, or at least we feel like that's that's good. But there are injury concerns. And I'm wondering, come August, you know, is Wainwright in the rotation and who takes his spot? Is Waka in the rotation? If not, who's in his spot? Are Reyes and Martinez in it? Do you have to dig into a gomber? Do you go outside the organization? And that depth will be tested, and I'm curious how they respond to that. And that's where I think a lot of of those questions will be answered with Carlos Martinez 
his role as he starts his throwing program, which John Mosellock said on the Hollywood Casino Press Box, I'm, I'm guessing you know they're certainly going to at least try to build him up as a starter to begin with and see if, if that works out for him. And obviously Alex Reyes, probably closer to the midway point, I would say, if they if they need him to transition to be a starting pitcher. But look, I, I hope all these guys have great years. But with Adam Wainwright, you just wonder, can he be can he be a league average fifth starter? And I think if he is, the Cardinals are okay with that. And I think Boy. the fact that Mike Schilt put Dakota Hudson Ooh. in the three spot and had Adam Wainwright in the in the five spot right. shows you that they're not depending on Adam Wainwright. But still, he's one of your five. I, I just wonder, and I certainly don't hope this is the case. I hope Adam Wainwright goes out there and he's pitching to a 3-8 ERA and he's eating some innings and we're not talking about it. I just wonder, though, if, if he starts slow and all of a sudden we're looking at a 4.7 ERA and he's not getting past five innings, how long is, is the leash for the beloved Adam Wainwright, who, who we all love, but he's 37 years old? That's another tough question that Mike Schilt might have to encounter early in the season. Is league average enough to keep Wainwright in the rotation? I think it I, is. I think if you rank the starters, you'd rank Reyes in front of them. You might rank John Gant in front of them. So let's just say they are in second or third place in June, and it's a handful of games back, right. you know, within striking distance, and maybe they feel they're not getting enough out of their rotation, and Wainwright is league average. The ERA plus is at 100 or maybe a little bit above. Isn't there going to be a temptation to go, we have better guys in the organization. We have John Gant, who, who did give us quality starts last year. We have the wild card in Alex Reyes. Maybe Martinez is ready to come back and may think about using him as a starter. You know, eventually, I think that could rear its ugly head at some point, and that could cause some issues. I I would agree with you on where the Wainwright thing is. The Gant thing intrigues me because he's kind of the he's the swing guy. Yeah. And if somebody's not good enough, he will definitely fill that role and be just good enough to keep him in the rotation moving forward. I'll throw in one other uh, guy to uh, that I'm intrigued with with the starting rotation. I want to see Dakota Hudson get 25 starts. Yes. I think he – I don't know what his ceiling is at this point. I don't know enough, but I'm very intrigued on what he could do moving forward. Uh, that That's one of the guys – because we don't talk about him. He's like, yeah, he's the other guy that made the last spot in the rotation. Because you got Flaherty, you got all the other guys up top. But Dakota Hudson, because we don't know enough about him, he was so good in the minors last year. But there's so many arms here, you're not really talking about him. You're talking about Flaherty, rightfully so. But Dakota Hudson could be really, really good. When you look at Adam Wainwright, the last three years, we're talking about an ERA plus of around 88 for those three years, so slightly below league average. And, again, I think I think if he's making starts and he's able to go five innings and he's around four-and-a-half ERA, I, I do think that's enough to keep him in the rotation because we'll probably see an, an injury somewhere else. You know, again, oh, yeah. we, we, have yeah. these, we have these questions. We talk about them on opening day, and I always joke about it. They always solve themselves. You know, you always say, oh, my gosh, we have eight starters for five spots. What happens every year? I mean, look at this year, for example. Yes. If, if you went into this past offseason and said, well, heck, you got Dakota Hudson and Wayno and Waka and Michaelis and Flaherty and Carlos Martinez and Alex Reyes and Gomber. You have all those guys. So what happened? 
Carlos Martinez gets injured. You you hear that their plan for Alex Reyes is not to be in the rotation off off the start. Austin Gomber has a rougher spring training. John Gant fits more of that hybrid role. Things kind of just work themselves out, and I feel like that's usually the case. A month from now, there's probably going to be one starting pitcher that's injured and another guy that's underperforming, and then maybe Carlos Martinez is ready, and those questions usually answer themselves. By the way, first home run of the year, Robinson Cano off of Max Scherzer. How about that? Oh, that's surprising. Yeah. So there's there's our one update for baseball. It's now officially up and running. All right, uh, so there you go. Jack Flaherty already in the lead for the Cy Young. Scherzer's <laughs> ERA is blowing up already. Let's do it. How, how about the bullpen, though? I want to I wanna see how Mike Schultz works a bullpen from the start, also knowing that, in theory, we think, Jordan Hicks is going to be the closer, but he hasn't really come out and said that. Now throwing the monkey wrench that we don't know what's up with Andrew Miller. How is he going to work that back of that pen moving forward? Um, you got Hicks, uh, Reyes. When Martinez comes back, I think it's just a given that he's going to be in that pen as well. Uh, where does where does uh, Dominic Leon fit in? Is he healthy? And if he is healthy, how much of a role does he play? Because remember, help me out here, last, not two uh, winter warm-ups ago, Dominic Leon was that was the closer. For about yeah, a month. That yeah. startled people when most And you went, that. uh-oh. So w- where is he going to fit in if he's completely healthy moving forward? It looks like he is. I mean, there's a lot of options there. I think what's also very interesting when you talk about the lefties, and I'm looking up John Brebbia and versus righties, career 194, batting average against lefties 230 so that's still pretty good for a right-handed pitcher against lefties slugging percentage against against righties 313 against lefties it's it's 455 so it's not great but i understand that he is a righty that can get left-handed hitters out i just wonder because look andrew miller when healthy is is one of the best or was one of the best lefties in all of baseball he was josh Hader before Josh Hader. You just yeah. wonder with that knee, though, did have a rocky spring. I remember the game against the Astros where he did not record an out. And so you just wonder the left side of the pen. I like the fact that they said, we're going to take our best pitchers, okay? John Brebby is our best pitcher. We don't care that he's right-handed. I like that philosophy, but there's another way to look at that, and that is we were not able to either acquire or produce or generate two good lefties for our bullpen. You know what I'm saying? Like, Chase and Shreve starting the year in Memphis. We all know what's going on with Brett Cecil, and we don't need to talk about it anymore, but that was a pretty darn big investment two years ago. It just hasn't worked out. So you can look at it one way. The Cardinals are taking their best pitchers north with them, but also, organizationally, they weren't able to produce two lefties in the pen that they felt were worthy of the big league club on opening day. Is that because the other right-handers were just so good you couldn't pass them up? Though I Agreement, I don't think the lefties were all that effective. So uh, Chase and Shreve, Tyler Webb, uh, what was the other kid, Tommy Lane, was somehow still managed to make it way, his way through the final weekend before he finally got outrighted. But maybe, and I don't want to steal your thunder, Brian, but we talked about this on 590 Baseball. Great show. If Very good show. Every Friday. Especially when... When I make an appearance every once in a while. <laughs> every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> Friday 1 to 2. We'll be at uh, Hot Shots tomorrow with that. Uh, but 
you mentioned, and I, I agree with you 100%, that if you got guys of power arms that are right-handed, it doesn't matter if the guy's batting left or right. The guy's coming in throwing smoke. So from that standpoint, I'm not overly concerned that they couldn't find a lefty, but at some point you're going to need a lefty to, to show up. I also think you're going to need two lefties, though. You just look at the way baseball and, and, and bullpens are being managed. And I bring this up because let's look at a Wainwright. How, how many games do you think Adam Wainwright's going to go seven innings? I'm just, just being honest here. I hope he does. But, two? But I don't think you can I'll count on that. So my point is, if is a five-inning pitcher, there's going to be two at-bats in the latter innings where Anthony Rizzo faces your bullpen, right? There's yep. going to be two at-bats yep. where Joey Votto faces your bullpen. And that's where, look, I, I hope it all works out, but you could see Mike Schilt being very aggressive with the pen, and there's a spot in the, in the fifth or the sixth maybe where there's two guys on. And that's the spot where Andrew Miller should come in and, and get you four outs, and he faces Votto, and he faces Anthony Rizzo. But guess what? That means they're going to come up again in the eighth or the ninth. So that's, that's my only question. I think it's fair to mm-hmm. wonder how that will work out, even though I'm high on John Brebbia. I think he's very underrated. Well, I want to see, again, going back to how Schilt works this, Will he make that decision? Will he say it's the fifth inning and this is the the most important part of the game? I want Miller in now, or will he just say, uh, Miller, I'm saving him for the eighth? And we, that's the wild card with this organization right now. We don't really know consistently what Mike Schilt will do. We saw it in a small sample size, but we don't really know over the course of a season because we all love to do it. That's what baseball is. You love to manage with the manager. Or you when Tony was managing, you would go, oh, I know what he's doing here. He's got so-and-so ready. He's going to go here, here, and here. We don't know that with Mike Schilt yet. We got a small sample size of it, but with all the weapons that he has, he's never really defined a role for anybody yet. And that's what's a great word when you say weapons. And that's where, even though I brought it up a couple minutes ago, you can also see how a guy like Alex Reyes, he's not used as, oh, he's a righty. He's just a pitcher. You know what I'm saying? He's a stopper. Yeah. When Adam, uh, when, when Alex Reyes goes into a game, he might say, okay, our, our plan here is for Reyes to give us two innings. And it doesn't matter then if he's facing righties or lefties, just in the same way that when he starts a game, Alex Reyes is going to face a lot of righties and a lot of lefties. You might just say, you know what, okay, Andrew Miller got us to uh, the seventh and, or, or the sixth, and now Alex Reyes' job is to get us two innings here He's fresh, hasn't pitched in a couple of days. We want him to get us to the ninth inning and pass the ball over to Jordan Hicks. And you could foresee scenarios like oh, that. I see that where, a lot. Where then, look, if he's going to face seven or eight guys anyway, okay, he's going to face a Rizzo every once in a while. He's going to face a Joey Votto every once in a while. But guess what? He's one of the best pitchers. He was the best prospect in all of baseball. He can get everybody out. Where the game is trending with the new rule, it's going, it's going to end up be that. Where you go, I need more guys to go two innings as opposed to, you know, the, the guy to come in and get one guy out, is that's gone. That'll be gone in a couple of years. Uh, but with all the weapons, yeah, I would say, yeah. Because the other side of it is I use my guy two, day, two innings today. I can't use him tomorrow, so I need another guy to go two innings tomorrow. So today it's going to be Reyes. Tomorrow it's going to be Brebbia. And you have Gant. And Gant can there certainly well. go Good point. multiple innings. And, and maybe down the road here. If Carlos Martinez does not begin his 2019 in the rotation, he's another weapon in the bullpen that can get you 
multiple outs, multiple innings if need be. And again, you're not worried. If Carlos Martinez is in there at the end of the game, you're not necessarily as much worried about ref righty-lefty. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's Carlos Martinez. Like, okay, go out there and get us the last four outs. Go Absolutely out there and get true. us the last five outs. Absolutely. Get your text in, 855-282-8255. This is the Midday Grind. Charlie Marlowe, Jim Hewitt, Brian Hoffman broadcasting live from the Schnooks in St. Charles on Harvester Lane. We got the chips here. We got the Matt Carpenter salsa, the new Mojo salsa, not just the mild. We have the medium as well, a little more spice here for 2019. The sub sandwiches are really good. A lot of text coming in on the Cardinals and opening day, as you'd expect. From the 314, Wayno or Waka could go down at any minute. That pessimism is for tomorrow, not today. Correct. <laughs> it's fair, though. It's fair. Why tomorrow, but not for today? Day two. Today's a day for optimism. Okay. I do think Waka, though. Don't you feel like with Waka, he's kind of injured every other year? It has, it's a weird pattern. So the fact emerged. that yes. last year he made 15 starts, right. maybe weirdly you can actually say, okay, 2019 could be the year where he gives us 28 he starts made, again. 19 in 2014, 30 in 2015, 24 in 2016, 30 in 2017, and then 15 last year. So he, has, he is running a weird streak of on and off, on and off. So we, if, if Michaels gets blown up today, then tomorrow we're just, it's all negative. Yes. Okay. <laughs> just checking. Just we're, checking. We're being realistic. <laughs> okay. And uh, no matter what happens on opening day, we can do the, oh, they're on pace for 162 right, wins. Or they're 162 on pace losses. for 162 losses. Somebody hits two homers. You say, oh, they're on pace for 324 homers this year. <laughs> We're doing the uh, over-unders at the end of the Hollywood Casino press box. Jim and Cresswood says, over-under, Ozuna, three outfield assists. What do you think? Wow. How many did he have? You know, he might get more just because people will run him on, him on him. That's yes. true. That's true. So he might just run into a few. Uh, watching the Yankees opening day now looks pretty generic as we were talking about the different – Franchise's opening days. Uh, Chuck from the 314. We don't pay, even though we technically don't pay Dexter Fowler at all, but we don't pay Dexter league average money, and we have two guys on the bench who can play above league average. That's where the frustration with Fowler comes. He has to be above 800, or no one will be happy. Ted I think Berg of USA Today mentioned the Orioles' first inning ended on a ground ball that struck a base runner, so they're off to. Uh... <laughs> It's going to be a fun year of folly following their 100-plus loss year for the the Baltimore Orioles. He brings up a good point, though. But look, the situation is what it is. I understand if you go back in time and you say, okay, we don't want to pay a league average right fielder $16 million per year. But that is the situation now, and that is the contract. So I'm saying if he plays to league average potential, you can deal with that. You can deal with that when you have Goldie and DeYoung and Carpenter and hopefully Ozuna. And you throw in the fact that he just gave you nothing a year ago. I'd be happy with that. You say, oh, victory, thank you. We've, we've accomplished something by bringing him in here. If he's below that, then you're just going again to what you had the last two years, or last year where you went, eh, no contribution whatsoever. We have a hole there in our roster. I'm telling you, the text line, I don't want to say pessimistic, but they're they are saying uh, 314, cards need another starting pitcher. Wainwright, Martinez, and Waka are all unreliable from the 636. Why is everyone so big on Michaelis? Overrated, can you say Tewksbury? But look, I can, I can understand if you say, let's see if he can replicate 2018. I think it's hard to say overrated for a dude that came over through 200 innings, Sub-3 ERA, he was top 10 in the Cy Young, 
and he won you 18 games. Bob Tewksbury averaged 188 innings over a five-year stretch here. That's good. Yeah, you, you that, would that, take that on this that team. Was that bad? Was that an insult? No, but because he wasn't on a power pitcher, people... He's not a strikeout guy. Yeah, he wasn't no, a strikeout but guy, but fine. Your, your numbers are great. Yeah. And he played on some rough teams. So it wasn't like he was on the best teams in Cardinal history. So I think sometimes he's a victim of that. And that's where I also thought that John Mosellock's interview with you guys on the Hollywood Casino Press Box was interesting because if you look at analytics, some of the different sites and people will say, okay, well, Miles Michaelis, he doesn't strike a lot of people out. So how will that, over the next four or five years, if velocity decreases and he already doesn't strike guys out? John Mosellock kind of flipped that script and said, he's a strike thrower, and that's another skill that doesn't actually wane as you age that he's a guy who's around the plate he's going to go deep in games you would think he's hopefully going to induce soft contact and he's going to be able to eat up innings like he did last year and and i don't think miles michaels necessarily will have the same numbers as last year and that's fine but if he gives you 30 starts and close to 200 innings that's what you need for miles michaels in 2019 is miles michaels closer to jeff supon and I bring that up because Supan, in theory, was a strike thrower. Worked the edges when he was on. When he was off, he, he worked himself out of the league. But when he was good here, he was a, that kind of guy. I think Miles has probably got a little bit better stuff than he did. But I'm looking for a comparison, and that's kind of the comparison. So, yeah, 18-4 and four is unrealistic. I think if you get 15 wins out of him, you've had a really good year out of him. That's a great guy to bring up, and I'm looking at Supon in 2005 with the Cardinals, his age 30 season, which I believe is right around what last year was for Miles Michaelis. Jeff Supon was 16 and 10 with a 3.57 ERA and made 32 starts. So if you look at the top end of Jeff Supon, I think you say, absolutely, we'll take that. Now, some of those other years, obviously, right, not as good. And we'll see if Miles Michaelis can replicate this now over multiple seasons in the big leagues. And I think the perception is right now, because Michaelis gets opening day start, the the organization thinks he's the best pitcher on the of the group. I don't think we'll think that by the end of the year. I, it, it will be, it might be Flaherty. Um, if one of the other guys stay healthy, it might be, it might be Waka. I don't think it will, but if he stays 100% healthy, I, I would say Waka would have a better year than Miles Michaelis. Boy, just homered. Did he really? Oh. Luke Voigt. 3 nothing Yanks. Was it a three-run bomb? Yep. Luke Voigt, the pride of Lafayette High School. Three-run bomb him. in his first at-bat of 2019. Frank Cusimano is cheering his fantasy dynamo. I want him to prove me wrong because I did mention he would be one of the things that I wasn't sure he could replicate his season from a year ago. And I hope I hope he just just becomes a star there in New York because he's got that kind of – He's got a little flair about him that the people in New York will He's love. He's fun. Yeah. He's a big personality. And here it is. Luke Voigt Oof. looks like the dead center. Yep. A low pitch from, is that Andrew Kashner? I think so. Yeah, the Orioles getting the start. Got down, got it, and just drove the ball to center field. Yankee Stadium. Did it get out by a lot? Luke Voigt, three-run bomb to start off 2019. All positive except for Baltimore this year on opening day. Yeah, huh? they're bad. Pretty much. They're going to be really Pretty bad. Pretty much. 
Brian Hoffman, Charlie Marlowe. before we take a break yes. and get to Martin Kilcoin, some fine sponsors. Yeah, i got to tell you, next Thursday is our home opener. Opening day is like a two-week-long thing now because they, they, the schedule needs to work itself out. But on Wednesday, April 3rd, from 1 to 3 p.m., and Thursday, April 4th, from 5 to 7 a.m., 5 9 the fan will be airing the countdown of the home opener for the 2019 season, featuring interviews from the Tim McKernan Show with guests Dexter Fowler, John Mazalek, Mike Schilt, and many more. Brought to you in part by the following sponsors. JMH Law Firm. Get, getting in trouble with the law is never fun, but you might as well have the best criminal defense lawyer in St. Louis at your side. you got to give Joe Harvath and the JMH Law Firm a call at 314-827-6222. Lakeside Roofing, uh, one of the sponsors, they've built a solid reputation as one of reliability, trust, high-quality work, and competitive prices. Lakeside Roofing features the finest quality roofing materials, and they provide expert installation. Find them online at lakesideroofing.com and a nice little bar downtown called the Angry Beaver. Sports mm-hmm. bar with the feel of your local neighborhood bar. I believe you've had a remote down there before. It's a great place to hang out before, during, or after every Cardinal game, just blocks away from Bush Stadium at 730 South Broadway. And finally, Chuck, if you need a fridge, need a washer, dryer, dishwasher, rather, uh, any uh, cooking uh, stove, oven, mm. go to the Appliance Discounters at theappliancediscounters.com. Six area locations, Webster, South St. Louis County, St. Charles, Baldwin, St. Louis City, and Fairview Heights, Illinois. They are the place to go to to get uh, any of your premier uh, brands, Sharp, Thor, Monogram, Profile, Hot Point, LG, Bosch, Anything you can possibly get, you can get at the Appliance Discounters. Visit them today at theappliancediscounters.com. Brian Hoffman, Charlie Marlowe, Jim here, broadcasting live from the Schnooks in St. Charles on Harvester Lane. We'll be right back, checking in with Martin Kilcoin live from Milwaukee, and opening day up there in the Cheese State. That's next on the Midday Grind on 590 The Fan and 590thefan.com. Yeah, 